I'm okay. Yeah, Pastor, um, hit on my message. Maybe we could just wrap it up. No. <laughs> Go home. <laughs> Father, I ask you, Lord God, that you will help me to um, get this message forth that I want to speak about this morning. Lord, with ease, I pray that your spirit will enable me and open our ears, Lord, to hear your word this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. You know, Pastor had hit on something here that was right up the alley of what I'm going to be talking about. How he said that a lot of us see Satan as too big from what he really is. And then he also talked about pain. And then he said, I was going to talk about shame. Yes, I'm going to talk about shame. But I want to ask you a question. Do you think that the devil wants you to see him as a big guy? I would think so. Do you think he wants you to know him as like bigger and greater than what he really is? Yes. Therefore, it's kind of like a cover. It's kind of like an act. I'm going to show you in the word how God has revealed some of him to us. You'll be surprised. So there's some interesting scriptures that I have here today that we're going to go through. But before we go to the scriptures, let me just give a definition of shame. And then I'm going to give you some examples. Uh, First of all, it's going to be about shame, fear, control. Those three things work together. And shame, fear, and control, they hinder our life from knowing God, They hinder you from having a true personal relationship with God. Shame hinders you from being what God created you to be. It hinders you from doing what God has created you to do. The fear of failure is really the fear of what? The fear of shame. And how many of y'all know that any man in the world that has really accomplished great things. If you read history, you see that they were men that failed a lot. They failed and failed and failed and failed, but they kept on getting up and trying again and trying again. And then we have those that fear failure so much, it's really a fear of shame, and then they don't try, or if they do try to do anything and they fail, they never try again. And then they end up being an old man and becoming a failure because you never ended up becoming what God created you to be, you know, to doing what God created you to do. I don't mean to condemn anybody that has lived or has been through that. No, but we can be delivered from it. Amen. Amen. We all here have, have suffered from shame. It's a suffering, isn't it? Yes, it is. uh, you know, shame is a bad feeling. All right, there's shame all over the Bible, the word shame. It's, and there's kind of like a good shame. I'm talking about the bad shame. All right, I'm going to give you, uh, like guilt is what I, guilt is something that I know that I did something. Shame is more about what I am, who I am because of what was done. Shame, painful social emotion, embarrassment. It's a state of being. 
It's a condition. I'm flawed. Flawed. I'm defected. It's what we are. Amen? Amen. When we feel shame, what do we want to do? We want to cover it. We want to hide ourselves, don't we? Amen. When we feel shame. And fear of failure, again, we fear, we said we never try because we're scared that somebody will look at us and see our failure and, and see our shame. So we hide. We have all different kinds of covers that we use in life. Today I'm just going to speak about a few covers. I remember one time we were here, some of us were here, Aggie, I think Carl, we went to a um, mom, hi mom. <laughs> we, we, we went to Saluda's church and, and, and there, we went to see this guy and he was a crippled guy. And he was, uh, oh, he was all messed up. His legs, his arms, I forget. And then me and all the church, we all went there. And there was a lot of people here that was in wheelchairs too. So we went over there and we went in there. And this little guy who was about that big, right? And then he had, uh, I don't know if he was acting or what, but he started to pick on Pastor Hoppy. You I don't know if you all remember that, all right? And he got in front of him, and he just, Pastor Hoppy just became like the butt end of all his jokes, and he was really going hard on him. And I was looking at Pastor Hoppy, and I felt bad for him because I saw his face and his body actions, and he was really going through some changes there. He was being exposed. That little guy was exposing him. He was an expert at just taking his cover right off. Because he went in there looking a certain way, bringing all these wheelchairs in there, like a very benevolent man. But I don't know why, but this little guy, he just chose to really rip into him. And all of us are watching this. And then Hoppy, if any of y'all knew him, if you pushed him too far, he had this certain face he would get and you knew he was mad, and you knew if you pushed him any farther, he was going to jump back at you. And we've seen that happen before. He would put a man in his place when need be. And I, I saw that look on his face. And then to top it off, the guy started singing this song. It was in his teaching, and his song was called, I'm a Little Monster. And he was looking at him, and it went like, I'm a little monster. I'm looking right at Hoppy. I'm a little monster. And I was like, oh man, poor Pastor Hoppy. But you know, the whole time I was sitting in my chair going through changes too. And I wonder who else was in there was going through changes because I was like, man, I hope this guy don't start coming up on me. (laughs) You know, and coming up and starting to pick on me in front of everybody. How many of y'all know how that feels when you start getting exposed and and centered out in front of everybody, right? And I'm like, what am I going to do? Well, maybe I'll do this or maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll do this. See, I was, I was scared that I was going to be exposed. And, and that guy, I don't know if he was just acting or what, but a lot of times people behave like this because that whole brash, that hard skin, 
that loud, boisterous way that some of us can be. You ever notice, folks, like that? You get on a city bus, and there's always somebody on there, and boy, it looks like nothing can penetrate them. And they're making fun of different people, and you're feeling all different kinds of ways, right? A lot of times, most of the time, that's nothing just but a cover. It's just a shield. It's just a cover hiding their own shame. Amen. 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 I remember in a victory outreach, there was a guy one time. He came in and, oh, my gosh, he was acting like a big, tough guy. He, I, I think he was about the biggest actor of being tough I've ever ran into. Uh, he was a young guy. And he was acting like a big gangster boy, right? Oh, man. You know, he was really, he really, he was the baddest dude I ever, acting bad, you know? And, and then me and him were alone one day. And he said, he was a black dude. And he said, uh, what do you think about me, to me? I was the leader of the, of the group. And I said, I looked at him, I said, I think that you have a lot of fear, and I think that you're scared. You should have saw his face. I, he turned white. <laughs> Literally, the blood just drained out of him. Right? And, 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 and do you ever catch somebody doing something that you act? When you catch somebody and they're doing something they're not supposed to be doing, right? It, it was that look. And then he had to grab his composure back up. I saw him like, boy, boy, I ripped his cover off hardcore. And he was found out. So that big, big, tough guy act, that big cover, was just a cover hiding his what? His shame. Amen? Shame comes from sin. Or shame comes from the sins of our fathers. Sin comes all the way from Adam. Sin comes, uh, shame. Shame comes from the devil. Amen? Amen? Now, don't go there. I promise I'm going to give you a couple good scriptures we'll go to. And please, somebody let me know when like an hour and a half is up, all right? <laughs> I only do 10 minutes usually. This is my first time doing a... Okay. Genesis 2.25. Now, we know the story that God created Adam and Eve, and they put them in a perfect place, right? And then in Genesis 2.25, it says, And they were both naked, and the man and the, his wife were not ashamed. Okay? And then we know that what happened, they ate the fruit of that tree, the law of, good, of knowledge of good and evil, right? And then they, they fell into sin, and what did they do? We know that they... They saw their nakedness and they were ashamed and they went and they hid behind that tree and they put on some fig leaves, remember? Okay, so Genesis chapter 3 and verse 10. I heard thy voice in the garden. Okay, point number one. God is out to get us, to save us, to redeem us from this. God was going out to get him from hiding behind the bushes, amen? So he could cover them. And love them. He says, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid. Shame, fear, control. Okay? I was afraid because I was naked. Naked is what he was. Shame is what you are. Remember? Okay? Because I was naked and I hid myself. 
hiding because that is control. Control is what we do to hide our shame. Amen. So when they were hiding behind the bush and the fig leaves, right? They were in control of that situation, hiding their shame. Amen? Amen. But we know what God did. He went in there and took him off, took him out, took the leaves off, and covered them with the life of another person, which was pointing to who? Jesus. Amen? The life of the Lamb, but it was pointing to Jesus Christ, who God covers us with. Amen? Amen. When I was in the, the ministry, you know, we used to have altar calls. Mm-hmm. And it's not the altar call. That's not the magic trick. The altar call. But I've seen a lot of men come in all the time, all the time. Men coming in off the streets. Men coming in from hardcore lives. And you know that they have to have a certain image. You know, they have to have an image when they come in, especially when you're around a lot of other men of the same degree, Mm -hmm. right? And they would come in, and then it would be time to go up to the altar. And in other words, a time to approach God, to let God approach you. A time to let your control down. A time to, to come into the presence of God. A time to let God have control. That's what that meant. And they would approach that altar, and before you knew it, tears, joy, Amen. weeping, Amen. bawling. Amen. Sometimes the bigger and the badder they were, the more that they would be up there bawling, tears coming out of joy. Amen. That love of God would go right in them, and it would just wipe away the cover. And it would just take that shame away. And it would just overwhelm them. Amen. 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 How many of y'all have experienced that? Amen. Amen. Sometimes we hold them tears back, right? Amen. We don't want nobody to see. Amen. You know, and then when we do that, we're holding other things back. Other blessings. Okay? Because then we're all into ourselves. We're holding back. Amen. Right? Instead of letting God do what he wants to do. Right? But. There were other men in the group, they, they would hold back. They wouldn't go up there, or even if they did, but you could tell they were holding back. They were not allowing God to penetrate. Amen. They were not wanting to go in there and let go of control and let God love them. Yes. Why? Why? That's my question. Why are there Christians that are saved, but it's like there's a house, and God the Father is in the house, and he has a bunch of children that he loves, and some of the children are able to go in there and sit on daddy's lap and commune with him all day and get to know him and love him, and then the other children... Stay outside of the house, way back in the yard. Stay on the porch. Never approach God in an intimate, loving way. That's something that always bewilders me. Why? Because what you don't know what you're missing. Amen. Is it fear? 
Is it fear that we're going to be exposed? Is it fear that God is going to take our control away? And if we don't have control, then we'll be exposed. Sometimes that's what it is. Okay? Sometimes, right? So these guys, you know, some of them will hold back. How many of y'all have seen? Sometimes you see it in the news. I promise we won't get to scripture. My mom told me to go to scripture today. (laughs) Not too many stories. (laughs) She said, all right, mom, don't worry. (laughs) Um, How many of y'all seen on on the news sometimes or on the computer, on YouTube? You see, a boy, I'm going to pick a boy. He's in school and he's in his classroom and... Uh, he's like in the fourth or fifth, third grade. And you know he's got to have an image in there not to be a crybaby. We're going to keep it simple, right? He don't want to be no crybaby. He don't want nobody to see him as a crybaby, right? Now, his dad happens to be in the military. And his dad is in the in war somewhere. He's gone for a long while, like a year. I mean, he's seen this. And then all of a sudden, the father shows up in the classroom. What do you see that the little child? Their eyes get real big, right? And they look, and man, it just takes over them. They run, and they jump up in their dad's arms, and man, them tears begin to flow. Boom, boom, right? And forget about the act. Forget about the cover. This love has just overpowered all of that. I'm home. Dad's home. That's how it is when you come into the presence of God. Yeah. That's how it is. Yes, He'll amen. change you the first time. I, I went into this church in New Orleans and I was wondering, how come? Why are these people acting the way they're acting? You know, kind of weird and strange and this clapping and, and, and this weird stuff. And I went up to that altar one day and God's spirit just opened up my spirit and I just sensed his presence, how real he was. I sensed his love. And bingo, man, I was crying like a baby. All emotional. And I walked home about five blocks, cried the whole way home. Tears of joy. And from there till now, my life has never been the same. There's been times when I fell. But God has always picked me back up. And it's always been a pursuit after that one thing. Amen. His Amen. presence, his man. Presence. Amen. Getting into his presence because Amen. there ain't nothing like it. Nothing like it. Man? Amen. Amen. Double amen. Amen. <laughs> my dad, man, he, he used to get me and my brother. I had a twin brother. And when we were real little, it was just as big as we were able to get up on his lap. He used to get his guitar and sing that song, Love Me Tender, Love Me Tender, Love Me True. You know? But man, he was the type of man and his stepdaughter too that me and my brother, I could, I could share anything with my dad to this day. I can share my deepest, deepest secrets with my pop. I see Kyle with, with his boy sometimes. He's able to take his boy and kiss him, mm-hmm. hug him. Man, you don't know the strength 
and what that does to a person. Amen. When I see dads that are scared to do that, it irritates me. Amen. But it's just because of shame. Yeah. It's because of the devil. Amen? Amen? They just don't know that love because they're just going through the same thing, right? Amen. Let's go to Job. Job. Job chapter 41. Do I have time? Shame, fear, control. Job 41. I'm to show you something interesting. Now remember that Pastor was saying that Satan is not as big as you think he is. Right? Now we know that he's condemned. That's kind of like a shame because it's what he is. Right? But now we're going to see a cover that he has. And we're also going to see something else. What I call religious control. Did you know that he can be religious? Did you know Satan can be religious even with God? I'm going to show you something. All right, Job 41. Everybody got it? Okay, before we go in there, I just, just for a note, from verse 15 to 34 is a description of this big monster called Leviathan. How many of y'all heard of Leviathan? Right? He's like a big dragon that breathes fire. And wherever he goes, he destroys. And from them scriptures right there, it gives you, it tells you smoke comes out of his nostrils. Everybody's scared of him, God tells us. Wherever he goes, he destroys. This monster is a picture of Satan. All right? Now, then God starts telling us what he thinks about this big monster. That man, I can beat him around like a little bird. I can, put, like, I can grab him by his tongue and pull him up. I can put a fish hook in him and move him around. He's letting us know what this big bad monster is really like. Now watch. I'm going to read verse 1 through 4. Can thou draw out Leviathan with a hook? He's asking us. Or his tongue with a cord which thou lets down? Can thou put a hook into his nose or bore his jaw through with a thorn? And the answer is no. No, we can't do this, right? Now watch. Check this out. Will he make many supplications unto thee? Will he speak soft words unto thee? No. Right? Will he make a covenant with thee? Will thou take him for a servant forever? And then it says, Will thou play with him as with a bird? And then he goes on to saying how he plays with this little thing, right? But notice something there. And then in, in verse 12 it says, I will not conceal his parts nor his power. God is letting us know something there. I'm not going to hide him from you. See, Pastor says a lot of times there's a scripture, and it's, it's, it's in the Word. It says that one day we're going to look at him, at the devil, and everybody's going to say, Is this him? Yep. Amen. Is that the one? God is saying to here, this is like a little preview. If you read it, you catch it. Watch verse 11. Who has prevented me? That I should repay him. 
Whatsoever is under the whole heaven is mine. In other words, the devil goes to God and starts speaking sweet words to him and then says, if you let me back into heaven, I'll be your servant forever. I'll give you this and I'll give you that. If you get me out of the trouble I'm in, I'll go to church, I'll pay my tithes. If you get me out of this jail cell, I'll be good and I'll, I'll do this and I'll read my Bible. How many of y'all know that, that's, that, that little game there, right? That's religious control. He's trying to merit something from God. And what does God tell him? Everything is mine. I own everything. So there's nothing you can give me. You can't bargain with me. You can't merit anything from me. You can't make me owe you anything. That's what he's telling the devil here. Amen? Amen. Watch. 15, verse 15. His scales or his pride shut up together as with a close seal. One is so near to another that no air can come in between them. They are joined one to another. They stick together and they cannot be sundered. His scales are his pride. Pride is the covering that we put on. Amen? And some of us, that covering is so strong that nothing can penetrate it. You see? And that's what he has. That pride covering. Amen? And what is it covering? It's covering the real you and me. The one that we're ashamed of. But the one that God loves. Amen? Amen? And then if you go to verse 34, it says, He behold all high things. He is a king over all the children of pride. Amen. 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 I call that religious control. Remember, shame, fear, control. Control is what we do to hide our shame. Amen. Amen. What we do to stay away from God's presence. Some of us, for control, we use what I call social properness. That's one of my words I invented. All right? Or social dignity. I have the proper car. I got the proper clothes. I got the proper house. I got the proper job. I went to the proper school. I got the proper way of conducting myself. I got the proper way of speech. I am secure in myself. But when it comes to spiritual matters, when it comes to true living God, His true living love, what happens? Fear. We fall apart. Insecure. It was just a covering. It's just a covering because we were created to come into the presence of God. Amen? Amen. One more. One more scripture. Uh, 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 Second Samuel. Just go towards Adam's house a few. Okay? Second Samuel chapter 6. I hope I'm not taking too long. 
Where's Second Samuel? Oh, there it is. Okay. Second Samuel chapter six and verse we're gonna start at verse fourteen. I'm just a monster. That's a catchy song. <laughs> that that next day, man, Pastor came here and he asked the whole church, "What did y'all think about that guy? Did y'all like him?" We were all like, "Ah." Oh. He was like, "I didn't like him." You know what I mean? Harry remembers. <laughs> I think he was with me. Like, oh boy, I hope he don't come over here. <laughs> Boy, boy, that little guy was a monster. Okay, Second Samuel, uh, chapter six and verse fourteen. Ready? Okay, David is all happy because the Ark of the Covenant, God's presence, is coming back into Jerusalem. Okay, so they're coming down the road, and verse fourteen, and David danced before the Lord with all. His might. Amen. And David was girded with a linen ephod. That's a priestly garment. Okay. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting. And with the sound of the trumpets. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That was what? 14 through or in 16. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David. How do you say that word? Michael or Michelle? Michael? Okay. Saul's daughter, Michael, okay, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. I could just see him jumping up and down, spinning in circles, coming down the street, shouting, praising the Lord. Amen? Amen. And she despised him in her heart. Hmm. Wonder why. Verse 20, then David returned to bless his household, and Michael, or how do you say that again, Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, oh, how glorious was the king of Israel today, who uncovered himself, check that out, who uncovered himself, he took off that cover, to the ephod down in, right? Who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. See? And David said to Saul's daughter, it was before the Lord, it was before the Lord which chose me before thy father and before all his house to appoint me ruler over all the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will play before the Lord and I will yet be more vile than thus and will be base in my own sight. And of the maidservants who shall has spoken of, of them shall I be had in honor. Therefore Saul's daughter, the daughter of Saul, had no child until the day of her death. What was her problem? <laughs> Social dignity. Social dignity. Men. I'm too dignified. 
to worship and praise God with everything that I got. Okay? When we worship and serve God, when you worship God, when you praise God, God wants you to love Him with all your spirit, with all your soul, with all your might, which means your body, with everything. That word praise, praise in in the Hebrew, sometimes they use the word halal. I think that's how you pronounce it. It comes from the word hallelujah. Halal. I'm not going to go into that word right now, but an example of that word is like, like if you go to the Super Bowl and your team wins, you see them people how they act? That's halal. Okay? That's halal. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, emotions has their place. Okay? Emotions has its place. But, they were created by God for God. Amen. Okay? I think sometimes Gnosticism gets into the church and we don't want to use emotionalism because, well, it's, it's evil. It's bad. See? Amen? Amen. You can worship God with everything that you have. Yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. And that was your thing. It was social dignity. I don't want to look undignified and to worship God, I'm too dignified to worship the Lord, right? But what does David say, man? I'm going to worship him next time even more so. Right? Okay, let's wrap it up. How do we deal with this? You just got to know that you have it. You have to confess that you have this fear of getting close to the Lord. Or you have this shame, fear, and control. Because we can't deal with it. We can't fix that. But God is the one that fixes that. So it's simple. Just bring it to the Lord. Lord, I've got this problem. I have the fear of failure. I have shame. I'm scared to come up into your presence because of um, my dignity. or Whatever we went over. Just give it to the Lord. Bring it to God, and He is willing to deliver you. Amen. 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 The Word says we're new creatures in Christ, right? Amen. The old is gone. Amen. Isaiah 61, 67, it says, You shall be named the priests of the Lord. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Mm. Now, you see where it says you shall be named the priests of the Lord? Right? In 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse 9 through 10, it says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Remember I just said that word? You're a priest, right? right. Uh, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light which in time past were not a people of God, but are now, oh, were not a people, but are now the people of God. Amen? Amen. Well, I hope you got something from that. Amen, amen, yes, amen. Because we're here for the Lord, and you're here to know Him and Him to know you. 
And that's what it's all about. Amen. Okay, and if something's keeping you from that, man, give it to the Lord. It's not a good thing. Amen? Amen. All right, I'll close with prayer, and then maybe Carl can come up and take over. Or somebody. (laughs) 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 Father, we thank you so much for your love and your presence. And we know that when we come into your presence, God, and your presence comes into our heart and you bear witness with us by your spirit that we're your children, Lord, there's just nothing, nothing so good like it. And and to make things just plain and simple, God, that's what we ask you for. We want your presence We desire your presence. We need your presence, Lord. Let us learn to give control to you so that you can be able to love us the way that you want to love us. Amen.